Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today I have such a treat in store for you. Jane Lambert from Five in a Row is going to be here. And I tell you, I was thrilled when she said yes, that she wanted to be on the podcast. Five in a Row was our family's curriculum from the time my daughter was four until almost about seven years old. And we just absolutely loved it. We had such a great time reading all of those picture books together and learning together as a family. It's such a lovely way to start off a homeschool. I'm just super happy that Jane was willing to come on and talk to us all about her start in homeschooling and how she came to write the five in a row curriculum. So I think you're really going to like this one. And we'll get started right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Logo Science Labs. Like so many of you, we are planning our curriculum for next year, and we are very excited to be offering our first high school science class at the co-op. As you know, high school science requires a lab component because science labs are a great way to reinforce the concepts learned in the course. And it just so happens kids love to do the labs as well. Logo Science stands out because each experiment includes a devotional that demonstrates God's involvement in our complex world. Now, we're using Apologia Biology next year, but Logo Science provides correlation to all major texts like BJU Press, Abeka, and others. The biology kit contains 33 experiments, which includes a number of supplemental experiments above what is included in our text. Most of the kits can be reused up to five times, and there are refill kits available, which make it affordable for a group class or when younger children are ready to take the course. Logo Science has lab kits for earth, life, and physical science, biology, chemistry, and physics. And their sister company, Quality Science Labs, has over 50 lab kits available, including astronomy, marine biology, and other kits as well. You can get more information about all of the kits at www.logosscience.com forward slash snapshots. And Logo Science Labs is offering free shipping on all kits through December 2016. And now, on with the program. Jane Lambert is a mother grandmother, veteran homeschooler, and the creator of the beloved program Five in a Row. She began homeschooling her own two children in the 1980s with limited options for curricula and few contacts in the homeschooling community. She went on to develop a rich curriculum based on nurturing strong family relationships by reading excellent books together. She joins us today to share a glimpse into her homeschooling journey. Jane, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I am just absolutely thrilled to have you on here. Could you start off by telling me a little bit about your family? Okay. I am married to Steve. We've been married about 44 years, and we have two daughters. Becky is our older daughter, and Carrie. Becky is a mother now, homeschooling her children, four children, from 16 to 9. And Carrie is a wife and a mother as well, and she is homeschooling 
Lena, who is nine, and she has Colsey, who is a one-year-old and is having another one in September. So it's going to be, she's going to have a lot of corralling little ones as she, she'll be a good one to talk to for how do you corral little ones and still homeschool and it'll be a fun thing to watch and hopefully I get to help her a little. Oh, I know she's hoping that too. It sounds like she's going to be really busy. (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about how you guys got started homeschooling. Well, I probably first heard about it just through some friends of mine. I come from just a long line of, of teachers and educators and have always enjoyed the thought of teaching. And so I was intrigued by it, and yet I wasn't sure. I kept looking for examples for people around me that did it. And there just, there weren't very many, really, truly, there just weren't very many. So finally I went to my husband and I said, honey, what would you think if, and he was rather appalled at first. And so I just kind of left it with him and he went off and thought about it and prayed about it and came back and said, you know, I think we need to try it. And so we started out just kind of gathering up materials and starting on our own. And From there, it just, I enjoyed it. I was excited about opening up a world, a whole world that God had made and opening up every little parts and pieces of the world as it was time for our children to get excited about too. And so I would gather curriculum and there wasn't, we didn't have textbooks. Mm -hmm. So I would get the basic structure from what the schools would do with their textbooks and kind of what they were doing each year. And then I would bring in movies or find books or just make up the lessons, you know, myself, for instance, I mean, the counting, teaching to count wasn't terribly hard. We found a big Kentucky coffee bean tree and took the pods and took all the beans and filled a, Mm. you know, three gallon jar with beans and used them to count and group and do that kind of thing. We kept that jar for a long time through several, you know, through both of my children and, and those kinds of things where I take what was around me and just use it to teach them about their world. And we read a lot as a family, always read a lot. We read a lot to them. They had lots of books in their room and we read to each other. And when they learned to read, they read to each other. And It's just been kind of a, a book, a movie family. Right. So your girls never went to school. Our oldest one went to kindergarten in the school that I had gone to when I was in kindergarten. And she went to first grade there. Then we went into a small school where the teacher did individual It was like a one-room schoolhouse. There were probably two students for each grade, one through seven. And she did individual lesson plans for each student. And I helped her a little bit. I taught some poetry in that specific area. And about halfway through that, she just said, you can do this. And I just ended up teaching myself. Oh, wow. So And so, yeah, it was interesting, an interesting transition. Right. Because I had never thought about such a thing, really, and my husband hadn't either. And it just sort of slowly went along until I was the one teaching at home. And then the second daughter we did the whole time. And Steve is such an outspoken supporter now of homeschooling. Isn't that amazing how, you know, probably the Holy Spirit moved in him? Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of the things he did when he went off to pray about it is he said, well, how am I children ever have any friends? I mean, this is just. And, and, you know, what are they going to, is this socialization thing? And uh, he felt the Lord really spoke to him and said, I'm the one that brings friends and I'll, they'll have friends. I'll, I'll bring them to them. And, you know, this is something I would like you guys to do. And 
I will help make it work. So I think slowly we learned that it did work and that it was something that is not for necessarily everybody, but for people who want to, we're certainly more than happy to talk and help with questions from anybody who would like to do it. Right, right. Well, that's a great story. Well, can I start you off with a multiple choice question? (laughs) Okay. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Now, I realize you're thinking back in the past here, but would it have been A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you. Because we had two daughters, it's a lot like Little Women, but also Swiss Family Robinson. We just did lots and lots of outdoor explorings and traveled a lot. And yet so many of the things we did are things that were specifically around the girls. So I would say both of those. Well, if you were walking down the aisle of a homeschool convention vendor hall and you were to turn the corner and run into the younger version of yourself... What would you tell her? I would tell her, fight being overwhelmed and fight being afraid. Those are things that will really slow down and hinder. In other words, spend enough time with the Lord and enough time just looking over things to be able to choose something and say, this is what I will start with. This is what I will do. And to have a confidence in that. It was funny because when I started, I actually thought I could do it. I was probably overconfident that I could teach, but I was very frightened of what other people thought. Mm. So my fight wasn't in, can I do it? Can I do it? My fight was in, I have to press through, even though these people have said this or this or this, I have to believe that I'm going the way I'm supposed to be going and then relax and do that and not let them change my course, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Did you face a lot of opposition in those early days? And you also said that you were from a family of educators. So, you know, did some of that come from your family? No, no, it didn't. In fact, my family and my mom particularly, who was a lifetime public school teacher, she was thrilled. She would tell me, she'd say, I have children that want to ask all sorts of questions and we can't get to them all in a day because I have to do this and this and this. She knew the value of tutorial. She knew the value of being able to run to a book and just find the answer right away. You know, she was my biggest supporter. And that was really special to me. And I didn't have any problems with my, you know, close family. Some of the outer family did think we were doing some things. One of them turned us in at one point to kind of to the authorities for educational neglect. And they came and looked over everything and said, well, you know, we don't particularly think that this is the best thing on earth, but you're doing a great job. (laughs) So... And it was funny because I was really afraid that they came that, you know, that something would happen. So it was those kinds of fears because back then it was really, truly not known. It wasn't okay. It really was a very, you know, as my husband said one time to a group of educators, educators that he was talking to, he said, I know it is stranger to look at me as a homeschooler than you're looking at me as if you'd seen a Martian. And it really is back then it was like that. And it isn't like that now. But people still say, you know, why isn't your children reading like mine is already or, or, you know, whatever. All the little comments come. And to be able to just say, you know, this is my course and to be able to stick to it and to relax in that and be enthusiastic and joyful as you're presenting to your children is, is everything. Right. And you need to cover the basics. I tell somebody in the, in the, uh, in the aisle of the convention, cover the basics, add some fun, go find a joke book. It's a good thing for your school. 
don't forget to think about your children as individuals and and the whole thing. The convention isn't as complicated as it, homeschooling is not as complicated as the convention makes it seem. Yeah, it's not. It's a life. It should be joyful to open up the whole world to your children. Well, let's talk a little bit about five in a row. Tell me what inspired you to create your own curriculum. <laughs> well, I never really thought about creating a curriculum at the beginning. I had read a magazine article, and our youngest daughter was in high school. And I read a magazine article about choosing a topic and teaching across the subjects. I'd always gathered my own material. And so I thought I could write out some units from favorite children's books that would go across the topics, you know, like science and history and geography and literature, and teach from a storybook. I thought that was a fabulous idea. So once I got started, I couldn't stop. Mm. And I just kind of kept going. And much to my surprise, as my friends would try them, you know, hand them off, and my friends would use them and say, this is fantastic. And eventually, my husband kind of gathered them up, put them together in a book, and I had worked to make sure that I was covering the scope and sequence of four to eight-year-olds through their science and history and that kind of thing. So we were touching on the subjects of all of those things. And it also turned out that as I created that particular type of curriculum, I began to find out that reading something five days in a row, having the teacher read like a wonderful actress, wonderful words, and the children hearing those words five times in a row, read well with expression, the vocabulary, the rhythm, the syntax, everything about the sentences from these wonderful writers. These little ears are hearing this wonderful writing and hearing it five times in a row because they're very short books rather than a big read aloud that you would do as a family. Mm -hmm. And so it's really soaking in the rhythm, all of the sound of the words together, all of that. And it really is amazing as they begin to learn to read for themselves and they begin their own writing, how much these great writers have inspired them. Right. They're just immersed in that language. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And they've really heard. And usually, I don't know what's your experience, but usually if they've read it five times in a row and you've enjoyed it as a family, it sits on a shelf. They take it down and read it many more times. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just that constant flow of this wonderful, wonderful writing. So I was inspired by the magazine article, but I was rather amazed that it turned out to be something that could be handed off and other people could also benefit from. Right. I didn't start out to write a curriculum. Right. You were just having a good time. <laughs> I was just amazed. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've hinted a little bit about how five in a row works here. You know, taking and reading a good quality picture book five days in a row and then doing activities based on that literature selection across the curriculum. But could you break down for us a little bit about how five in a row works? Okay. How might it look in my home? Okay. On Monday, you might read the story and begin to bring out some topics of where the story was set. It may have a specific geographical location, a city or country, and you can explore some about that country. There's a certain amount of that written right into your manual. And if that's what you have time to do, that's fine. If you want to have a little extra book on it or you want to make a flag for that country or something else, then those things are wonderful too. Or learning about a city. Every now and then there's just a fictional 
setting for a story. And so the children learn that in their picture books, sometimes there's a real place and sometimes there's just a totally made up imaginary place. It could be some imaginary place in space or some imaginary place on the earth. But they kind of begin to see how books are set up and the different parts of books. On Tuesday, you might read the story again, and they'll be thinking about geography and history is in that, and so is character relationship are all on Mondays. So they'll be thinking as you read the story now, it'll have a little more depth because they're thinking about where it was or a piece of history that took place or whatever. Then you read it on Tuesday and you find some uh, language arts. You may see how the author wrote the story, what made it interesting, what made it funny, uh, what she used, what kind of devices she used to make it humorous, or what kind of devices she made to make it very full of suspense. And as they see and study each of these different kinds of stories, as they kind of think about that, again, it comes up in their writing that they can do these same types of things, and it's really encouraged, the same types of things that the authors have done. So really, you're pattering after these great, great authors. On Wednesday, we do art, and you read the story, and you really look through the different parts of the pictures. There's everything from pen and ink to watercolor, pastels, charcoal, oil. There's every kind of medium is used, and mosaic. There's all sorts of things that are in these stories, and you can either just talk about them and appreciate those art lessons, or you can actually try some of the things that the artists have done and do a little bit of hands-on things. I'm expecting those the different types of art techniques to show up in their work as well. And I think that that's pretty much true because they learn line and design. They learn all sorts of things. And you think, how can a four-year-old learn it? Well, they can see that something is in one corner of the picture and something is in another. Or they can see that something in the front is very big and something toward the back of the picture is small. And even if they don't use that for a year or so, it's still something that they may point to a billboard and say, look, mom, it's just like, and here you are off and away with the, one of the things five in a row does is really, really help children learn to observe, be very observant about all sorts of things all around them. And I think that's a huge benefit. On Thursday, we do applied math. And I just have to laugh and laugh about this one because you need a math textbook to go along with five in a row when you're ready. Sometimes they do a four or young five-year-old, just five in a row, and then start the math and the reading later. But when you're ready, you need a math textbook and you need a how-to-read curriculum of some kind. But what I put in on Thursdays was to show them lessons to show them that math is included in in books. It might be a store where they're counting change, or it might be that someone in the book builds a fence. You say, well, how did they know how much wire to buy for their fence? Oh, they had to measure their field. Well, how do you measure a field? And, And we'll just talk about that. I'm not trying to teach them. They don't have to memorize a formula for perimeter, but I want them to realize that there's math connected to all of life and to our stories. And so when you ask them to please go to their math book and begin to learn how to do these things, they'll go, well, yeah, that's so I can buy candy bar and that's so I can do this and that, you know, and they have more of a feel for what math does in their lives. And then Friday is science day. And so each of the stories that I chose for five in a row also have several different areas of science that you can explore. So there's lessons for that. And I got to thinking when children sit down to a pile of books and you've got 
You may have a spelling book and a math book after you've finished your reading, but sitting down to a pile of books where there's science and there's history and there's geography and there's this and there's that, and you have to go through them all every day, I think it's more fun to read the story and really concentrate on an area and then as well as do your math and your reading Mm -hmm. or your spelling along with it. But to concentrate on these other areas and to have it be, oh, Friday Science Day. Oh, that's fun. Oh, we get to do art on Wednesday. Oh, and the reason I suggested doing art on Wednesday is because if you leave it till Friday, it usually gets bumped. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I thought it was really a very important part. It's the art is like the soul, kicking art out of our public schools and all. It's taking, you know, and beating on them to learn their math is there's nothing wrong with learning math. But where's the expression? Where's the place to show who you are and what you're thinking and what you're seeing and to put out what you've been learning? That's where art comes in. So I think it's important. I put it in on Wednesday so that they would have two more days after the lesson to look at the pictures as you read the story and say, oh, that was what you taught us yesterday. Oh, I see. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, that's great. So everything was very carefully thought out as you were creating this. It was. I mean, and the parts that weren't carefully created, they got there anyhow. And I was amazed. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that I I think that I had, you know, I I was inspired to write some of it and it came out very well. It looks so simple. It looks so simple that often people don't think that there's very much there. And I finally decided to say it's a little bit like those magic sponges that are just perfectly like a thin piece of paper and you pour water on them and they puff up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. If you take the lessons and, and you just do them, even just what's in the manual without anything added, I, you know, other than math eventually in your reading, but without any extras for the lesson, and you do that for a week, all of a sudden you go, oh my word, look all we've done. And your students do keep notebooks. They make notebooks and they put in little pieces of what they've done in, in art and in history and in science, two or three lines about what they learned, or they draw a picture of a flower and they label the parts. And, and their own labeling, their own illustrations, their own decorating around the page, so much more than filling out a blank in a workbook. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't so just become, more. look at what we've done, but look at what we've learned. What we've learned. Yeah. yeah. All these great conversations yeah. and and, and learning about each other. Yeah. I've had so many parents come and tell me, it, I brought my child home from school, and had we not done this, and they, you know, these were five-year-old people because they were talking to me, but, you know, because we, we hadn't done this, I wouldn't even know who my student was. And they wouldn't know me because there's so much talk and so much interaction as you go through the lessons and learn together. Well, that's it's, wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about the books that you chose. When you were selecting the picture books to include in five in a row and before five in a row, what criteria were you using? Well, number one, they had to touch my heart. I had to feel like I was better for having met that book. And there was something really special about it. I also really wanted there to be excellent, excellent writing, excellent art, and all sorts of art. And all types of writing, because even the writing isn't the same. Like I said, there are books that are humorous. There are books that are full of all sorts of amazing history things or full of, but there are several that are poetry. There are many different kinds of writing and many, many different types 
of art. And those are important things to me. Um, also, they absolutely had to be able to be expanded across the subjects, geography, history, science, literature, that kind of thing, because there are many, many, many fabulous books that I couldn't really do that with. And so mine that I picked had to be all of these things. Also, I didn't want there to be any witchcraft or uh, children with really, or parents or, or anybody with really bad behavior where there were no consequences, in other mm-hmm. words, where they didn't find what was right and learn how to do what was right. So those are some of the things. And the last thing, not so repetitive that the teacher couldn't bear to read it five times in a row. <laughs> and I know that some of them were longer and some of them were a little bit harder, but I was thinking uh, the book Millions of Cats, and there are just certain books that just have this repetitive thing that goes so many times through it that if I had to read that five days in a row, I would never make it. <laughs> so I tried not to have those types of books, even though that's a book that's been enjoyed for a long, long time. It's just not one I wanted to read every single day. And you realize that you never read five in a row books just five days because they're no. going to bring them back to you later and <laughs> ask they, you to read they, them again. Please, please, yes. I cannot tell you I how do. many times I've read Caps for Sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those books. I just love them. And if you were to ask me what my favorite one is, I've told people for years and years, I've chosen almost 100 books in the curriculums that I've done. And they're like my children. I mean, I love them all. Absolutely. All of them. I wouldn't have picked them if I hadn't loved them. And I didn't get to use quite a few books that I liked because there was something in it that I felt I needed to speak to. And I wouldn't use a book. I thought it was enough to use a book by another author and do a curriculum from it without saying, I remember one book where the heirs at the end of the book wouldn't eat a certain thing that I know that bears eat. And I thought, now, in science, I would have to mention that that's not true. And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch anybody's book as far as being critical in any way, even if it, you know, it's a big deal, just in any way. So there's lots of books that I love that I didn't use for five in a row because there was a picture or a, just something in it that I felt either I wouldn't like or that somebody somewhere might have a problem with. Because can you imagine if somebody has a problem with it. And then somebody else says, well, what's the wrong with that? That's just fine. And all of a sudden there's this big confusion. So I tried to keep it, the books within a realm that in general, everyone would find really good. Well, let's talk about more recent books. Do you have any favorite recently published picture books, books that weren't around when you were developing five in a row that you enjoy reading to your grandchildren? I do. I have so many. I have lots and lots and lots of them. One of my favorites is Grandpa Green, and it's that sounds like it's going to be a farm book or something, and it's not. It is a wonderful, incredible book where a gardener has done topiary, and all of his memories of his life are mm-hmm. in these topiary bushes. And so there's World War II, there's a cannon and a cannonball. There's just all of these different things from his childhood. And his grandson is going through the garden looking at all of these things. And it is just truly, it's just an incredible book. And, and I have great, great fun with that. It's by Lane Smith, Grandpa Green. I Love the Tree Lady by Hopkins. Bravest of Us All, I went ahead and did a five-in-a-row unit and stuck it on the digital board, a digital store at fiveinarow.com. Mm-hmm. 
because it was a newer book and I hadn't put it in any of the volumes. And Hannah Mae O'Hannigan's Wild West show by Ernst Paper Lanterns. And I won't even, I couldn't hardly spell this name. It's Zernecki and it's CZ something. So Paper Lanterns, and it's also on the Fire and Earl board. So yes, there's many, many good new books. And in selecting a Fire and Earl, I did many, many classics, but I also chose new ones like Alan Say's book. And, you know, that it isn't just old ones. There are quite a few new ones. So you'll have all of us running off to put things in our Amazon cart this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are some of the most significant changes that you've seen take place in homeschooling from when you first set out to homeschool your children to today? And what do you think today's homeschool families can learn from those who have gone before us? Well, for me, I would have a hard time walking into conventions because there's so much to choose from. And I would just say, again, keep it simple and don't layer. Like if you find three science curriculum books, don't buy them all and try to teach out of all of them. If you're going to buy them all, pick one, do that for a while, and then read another one on a weekend and, you know, that kind of thing. But don't try to do, I think sometimes that teachers think, I have to teach it all and I have to teach it all right away. There's so much time. And little is more. And you don't want to push early. You want to stay stay very simple because children need to have time to think and to wonder and to ponder and to question and assimilate. They need to assimilate the information you've you've given them. They need to play out the things Mm -hmm. that they've learned. You'll find them playing the, the very thing you just taught them. And they need that. So keep it simple. I think a good thing now is that colleges are looking for homeschoolers. They even have recruits out looking for homeschoolers because they've tended to be those who are more serious about learning and they tend to be really good leaders. <laughs> Textbook companies are now selling to everybody. But again, this makes almost, if you buy all of someone's curriculum, it makes it like school at home, which isn't quite as wonderful as being able to have a math book and have a spelling book, but bring in some more interesting things and vary the types of curriculum that you use for those other things like history and science and geography. I think those are some of the main changes. And some great advice. Okay, are you ready for a pop quiz? Sure. Coffee or tea? Coffee. (laughs) A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? A little bit country. Well-trained mine or Unschoolers Anonymous? Oh, Five in in a row, right? (laughs) (laughs) Five in a row all the way. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Craft or read aloud? Read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Lap book. Co-op? Or just a notebook or, or just, a notebook. Co-op yeah. or stay home? That's not a one-word answer. <laughs> that is a, because you must, you must give your children opportunities to get out and be with children. Whether it's play dates, whether it's being in, you know, scouts or in a band or sports, whatever it is, you must do that. There are times when co-ops work really well. There are other years when it just doesn't seem to be the right thing to do. So I think it's some of both. And I know that as we did field trips, for instance, it was easier to do some field trips with just a couple families than it was to do it with 50 families. Mm -hmm. Because then you have your children in this, you know, long line and the people in the back can't hear the front and all of that kind of thing. So after 35 years of experience, I've been through 
all of the different things. And there's good and bad about each of them. And you need to figure out what's right for your year and your children in that time. Bed made or unmade? Well, made now. (laughs) It didn't used to be when I was younger, but now, yes. Bookmark or dog ear? Dog ear. Sonnet or haiku? Oh, I love poetry. I'm sonnet. Jane, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you online? Online, we're at fiveinarow.com, spelled out. Thank you so very, very much for a chance to get to talk with you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Your work has blessed my family, and I know it's blessed so many others as well. So thank you. Well, there you have it. Episode 32 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. Now, if you would like links to anything Jane and I spoke about today on the show, you can head on over to edsnapshots.com forward slash 32. There will have links to the five in a row curriculum. They have a wonderful message board and homeschooling support over at the five in a row website and also all the great book suggestions that Jane gave us today as well. So that's edsnapshots.com forward slash 32. And guys, This is the last episode of our season. This is season three of the podcast in the books. And we're going to go on hiatus for a few months, take a little break over the summer. We'll be back in August with a whole new season of episodes for you. More great interviews with homeschooling moms and maybe even a dad or two next season. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now, if you're a little sad... I have an announcement for you. You might have heard this already, but if you haven't, you're hearing it here. We have a brand new show coming out. Now, I'm just going to say this is not another podcast. I don't have the energy to add another podcast to my lineup, but it is an audio blog. The show is going to be called Homeschool Solutions with Pam Barnhill. You will be able to find it on iTunes and in Stitcher. And basically, it's going to be me sharing with you some of the older blog posts that are on my blog, maybe even some of the newer blog posts on my blog when I have time to sit down and write. And in addition to that, I'm going to be curating some of the best homeschooling blog content from across the internet. We're going to be asking some other homeschool moms to read some of their really great blog posts, and we're going to drip them out to you once a week. It's going to be a weekly show and there'll just be something new every week for you to listen to. So we're going to start this May 20th. And because these are going to be such short little episodes, we're going to give you a few to help you get started. So episode zero on May 20th. And then the very next week, we're going to release one a day before we settle into our regular weekly posting schedule of these. And they're going to be one a week coming out every Friday. Lots of great content for you to listen to over the summer, short and sweet, just enough time to fold a load of laundry, do some dishes or take the dog outside. So I think you're really going to like it. And I'm so looking forward to sharing it with you. You guys have a fabulous summer. I'll catch you on the Homeschool Solutions with Pam Barnhill show. And we'll be back in the fall with more homeschool snapshots. Until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.